0: I am so excited to announce that I have partnered with Magimix for Season 9 of the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. Magimix is a family-owned business that has the amazing reputation as makers of quality kitchen appliances that are adored by chefs and home cooks alike. I remember growing up and always seeing my mum's beloved Magimix on her countertop and the utter ease of how she used it. With their 30-year motor guarantee, these machines have always been built to last. They continue to be relevant as ever in the busy kitchen and make fantastic food processes that make your food go further and reduce food wastage. They are a godsend when it comes to batch cooking and using up leftovers. I use my MagiMix every day. If you're ready to step into the world of MagiMix with a new food processor, blender, ice cream maker or any other bit of kit, then simply pop over to their website and use my exclusive code at checkout for a 15% discount. The code is MMCSF9. Don't forget to download the MagiMix app, which is full of recipes, tips and tricks. Make it with MagiMix. Hi and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm Hannah Harley-Young. This show is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs and people who, well, just love their food, to find out all about their life, career, and their favourite tastes along the way. It felt only right to wrap up Season 9 with my dear friend Chantelle Nicholson. The chef-owner of Apricity Restaurant in Mayfair is one of the leading voices of sustainability, seasonality, and vegetable-forward cooking. She has won two green Michelin stars, one for the much-loved Treadwells, and one for Apricity. The New Zealand native stands by the mindset – food is joy, food is memories, food is cohesive, food is life. Perhaps one of the best quotes I've heard in a while and very much the ethos I stand by too. What a way to finish the season. Chantelle, welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. Oh, thanks. (laughs) This has I feel like this has been like a long time coming because when I met you this time last year, Mm. I felt, for me anyway, it was sort of like love at first sight. I just felt like we really vibed. We did.
1: We, we met so at a did. food
0: festival. We've just come off the back of Taste of London. We are a bit exhausted. <laughs> some of us more than others. <laughs> yeah, some of us, you know, slightly burnt the candle at both ends, but it's fine. But it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Um, and before we get into it, I believe a big congratulations is in order because... You have just won a pretty major award, which is the Innovator of the Year at the National Restaurant Awards. So huge congratulations. Thank you. So you were also awarded a green Michelin star this year as well for the restaurant. How does it feel
1: to be recognised for your efforts in the industry? I think it just affirms what we've been doing. And I think sometimes you have those moments where... You think, oh, am I being, like, too pedantic? Am I being too, like, steadfast in what I really believe in? And so sometimes, yeah, you you just question yourself, don't you? So then to have, some, I guess, an external recognition, mm. actually, you're like, oh, okay, cool. No, great, on the right path.
0: Absolutely. And in relation to the innovator of the year, I mean, what does that kind of mean? What is
1: innovating
0: within sort of, I guess the host, you know, the, the culinary world.
1: That was an interesting one because that kind of came left field, and <laughs> the, <laughs> the reasons they gave were that because we were doing things very differently and thinking outside the box. So, for instance, just putting the team first, which is not that usual in hospitality. Um, looking at, I guess, a kind of three hundred and sixty approach. So, looking at, you know, we I put. In shower a shower for the team so that people want to cycle to work they can we have a curfew so no one leaves the restaurant super late they can all get home with public transport um we have a kids tasting menu we you've got a kids tasting menu yeah so just I think yeah just doing things a bit differently
0: are adults allowed to order
1: the kids tasting menu no (laughs) We've, they have tried before. And we're like, um, slightly different portion sizes. So there, there is an so adult tasting cool. menu. Okay, I see what
0: you mean. So it really is thinking out the box and, and and also just kind of actually putting into effect the things that probably should have been around much longer than they have been, mm. such as things like curfews, mm. because obviously the industry is, is not what
1: it used to be. And that's probably a good thing in a way, right? Yeah. And it came about during COVID when we had to everyone had to, I think, leave by 10 p.m.
0: Yeah, oh my God.
1: George. And we were like, this is amazing yeah. because, you know, sometimes there's like one table left with two people. They may be having a great chat, but, you know, they're just having a glass yeah. of, you know, they may even just be finishing up. So drinking water and there's like 12 people that can't go home. Yeah. Um, For the sake of, you know, so it's kind of, for me, I was like, that just doesn't really make sense. So actually let's try and just make it work and make it happen. And no one's, you know, no one's kicked back on it either Mm. I think it's when you when you explain what you're doing and why you're doing it I think there can't really be too much of a comeback
0: absolutely well congratulations for that because obviously you are on the right path somewhere if people are awarding you these sorts of uh these sorts of awards um so I always start my conversations with asking what did you have for breakfast this morning
1: I don't eat breakfast I'm okay. So is this sorry. a thing
0: in like the chef world? Because nearly every chef I've sat down and spoken to does not eat breakfast.
1: No. So I used to eat breakfast up until probably five years ago. I was like, no, you must have breakfast. Everyone must eat breakfast. Um, and then I started fasting and right. it was life changing. So I have coffee. I've had, this is my third cup of coffee. Oh, okay. So I just, I love <laughs> she's coffee. running on the caffeine. Love coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so your first meal
0: will be when? You'll be lunch? About, yeah. mid mid afternoon okay that's fine Mm. so before we sort of get into all of the exciting things you've done with your life we must take it back to uh your childhood you were born and raised in New Zealand Mm -hmm. I want to know what life was like growing up who was cooking what was on the table
1: sort of paint the whole picture so I think we were always surrounded by food and I always loved food from a young age like probably too much at some points um and the cooking, everyone, actually, my mum my dad. My dad probably actually cooked a bit more than my mum. But we always had, yeah, home-cooked food, I guess. We always had vegetables growing in the garden, whether it was just a little bit or, you know, small things or, or kind of a bit more than that. And we had, I had, so my mum's sister married a man, my uncle, um, who was a fifth-generation orchard. In central Otago in New Zealand. Okay. So every second summer we would drive the whole length of New Zealand, which took about a day and a half or two days and spend summer. So every second summer we would spend on the orchard, which was just like incredible. And we worked, so it wasn't like it was, you know, but it was just in one of the most beautiful parts of the world. And it's got these lovely dry, hot summers, just surrounded with incredible fruit. So cherries peaches apricots nectarines and my uncle just had has the most green fingers so we would literally we take a bowl go to the garden dig the potatoes for dinner just give them a quick rinse put them in the pan in a pot and they are the best I've never had a potato (laughs) like those potatoes since and then for pudding we would take a bowl out to the raspberry vine and just pick raspberries and have fresh cream and it was just you know it was just awesome whole food which I think I never really appreciated it until I guess now where I'm like, that is just like so privileged. And I was so lucky totally. to have that as, as my childhood. Really. I mean,
0: you sort of think about those stories, especially like, you know, someone like me who's been born and raised in like a really bustling city to be mm. able to sort of grow up and have that on your literal doorstep. I know. It's it's beautiful. It
1: was so beautiful. And then we also, I had another aunt on my dad's side actually, and she, they are all very good cooks but she went and lived in America so then she brought back a very different type of cuisine so like coriander we hadn't even had coriander probably till I was like eight so she got really into kind of Mexican food and cooking and just things that we didn't even know so I had kind of all these different things coming at me which was just amazing. So
0: if you could sort of think of like one or two dishes that probably like represented your childhood what would you say they were?
1: Oh my gosh, that's a really tricky one. I think, well, one of (laughs) a really basic one, I guess. Which mm, it's probably not a great representation, but in some ways, was. And we had a microwave, which was quite weird. Like we, I think my parents were like, "This is easy. This is going to save us some time. Let's get a microwave." Um, And so there was this dish (laughs) called. So in New Zealand, there's a a cookery book that everybody has. Every household has an Edmunds cookery book, and it has baking. It has literally like how to make a chutney, it's got everything in it. And there was a recipe in it for corn bake. And corn bake is basically, so in New Zealand we also have um, creamed sweet corn in a a can, which is just like delicious. Sounds amazing. So it's almost like a can of creamed sweet corn, a can of whole kernel corn, some eggs, some cheese, a bit of milk, and then pop it in the microwave. So it makes this like really cheesy and it's like the easiest meal, but super delicious. So I guess that was kind of like the comfort food. And then I guess on the other side of the scale, yeah, I mean, we did. We had lots of, we had lots of barbecues because we were in New Zealand as well. And that was kind of, but I would say it was probably, we did have a lot of veg growing up. And I remember my dad was a school teacher and at his high school, it's almost, I guess, a bit like a cooperative. So like someone would um, have excess feijoas, which are another amazing fruit in New Zealand. So you'd kind of be able to, he would bring them home from school because he would have bought them from someone. And asparagus, so the very first season is asparagus. Somebody, one of the other teachers at the school must have been growing asparagus. So we would get kind of these massive bags of asparagus and just the first ones of the season. So like everything we ate seasonally, I think it's because New Zealand's so small and isolated at that point. Food wasn't really imported, so we did literally eat. And I think that's how I know what seasons are oh, with food Cause it because was sort it of was naturally
0: ingrained. In it was just the norm. One. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I remember when I first moved to London and going into M&S and being like, Oh my God, what? <laughs> like, there's everything. There's like asparagus, there's strawberries. I was like, how is this all and coexisting in, sept- in September? <laughs> I was like, wow, this is cool. And then after a while, I was like, this is not cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: Which kind of like actually brings me onto that question of, you know, because you are quite known for your sustainability, you know, you're really advocating for eating seasonally, eating your vegetables. Would you say that the mindset was very much there, not because it was sort of drilled in you, but because that
1: was just your way of life, that was just what you knew? Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, I saw firsthand food being grown, being produced, and the, the, you know, the hard, hard work that goes into it as well, and how, I guess, vulnerable you are to the seasons and to the weather. And then also... um, just yeah, getting excited by what that was, and you know, we would always shop at the greengrocer to get our, you know, big massive greengrocer we're talking here that was kind of just off a highway. So a big greengrocer, we'd go and get all of our vegetables for the week, and in the supermarket we'd get just you know everything else yeah. really. So yeah, it was just it was purely the norm.
0: Fast forwarding a little bit, um, when I was doing my research on you, I didn't know this about you. You trained to become a lawyer. I did at <laughs> some point in your life. Um, Where did that change happen? I mean, why why step away from that to become a chef?
1: So I was nearing the end of high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I food was never an option to do as a career. Um, It was that I would go to university. That was just kind of the plan. Um, So I knew which university I wanted to go to, which was this like awesome student town in the opposite end of New Zealand. Um, But I didn't know what I wanted to to do so I thought well I'll do something that's quite broad and generic so I thought if I do law and it was called commerce then but I guess it's like business studies management so if I do both of those together then surely I'll figure something out um and it was in my third year I think it was that I thought right I really need a job because um, my student loan was like you know getting exponentially larger by the day. So I thought, why don't I go and see if I can get a job cooking? Because I I loved cooking. Okay. And so I thought, well I can do, you know, and I wasn't that enamored with what I was studying, to be fair. I I put in kind of the minimal effort Mm -hmm. that I needed to. Um so I thought I'll do something that actually I want to do. So I thought, how am I gonna like who's gonna give me a job? So I walked into this cafe that I loved and just said, look, got no experience but i'm just dropping off my cv i'm looking for a part-time job and as fate would have it they said well we were literally about to advertise for a weekend cook we're happy to give you a go so it was literally (laughs) trial i had to to be there at 6 a.m on a saturday which for a student is unacceptable like that's the time you're getting home (laughs) home, right i was going to work they're all coming home so it started off just baking really baking and making brunch and then when I had my next summer holiday, went to work actually in, in a restaurant kitchen. Um, as it, it was originally as a kitchen porter, but then I just kind of just started working as a chef.
0: And, and as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. And so from that moment, did you end up finishing your degree?
1: I did. And I, um, yeah, again, kind of did the minimum because yeah. I, I ended up just working full time because I was like, this is just great. And I was just loved it. So I worked full time, finished off my degrees and then... Kept working full time in the restaurant, and then my mum said to me, "You've spent five, four and a half years of your life and a lot of money getting these, you know, degrees. Can you just? I just think you should give it a go. Like, you may not, it may not be for you, but I would just really like you should give it a go." And I was like, "That is, that's some wise words." <laughs> so I but thought, no. right, <laughs> I'm going to do it. So I did. So okay. I moved to Wellington, which is the capital city yeah. of New Zealand, and it took me a while to find a job, but I. I Got a job um, for the banking ombudsman. Oh, wow. Okay. So very, very different to food. Yeah. And so did my bar exam part-time whilst I was working there. Um, Worked there for about, I think it was almost a year and a half. But again, as fate would (laughs) would have it, I randomly entered a cooking competition, which was... um, None other than Mr. Ramsey's cooking competition Mm -hmm. that he held in New Zealand. The only time it's ever happened, no idea why, but it did. So randomly entered it, randomly got into the, yeah, the actual competition. I think there was 12 of us. And then the next day it went down to six, managed to get into that six. And one of the judges was a New Zealander who was the head chef at the Savoy Grill called Josh Emmett. And he said to me after the, I obviously didn't, you know, win or anything, but he said to me, there's a job at the Savoy Grill whenever you want it. Just let me know. Here's my email. Um, And then (laughs) another, this is such a New Zealand story. It turns out that Josh, Josh's parents had actually bought their house off my parents. What? And so we grew up in the same town. So this is just complete random. Yeah. So this kind of one degree of separation he's like yeah my, my parents bought the house off your parents um so I was like okay this is really weird wow. um and then so I literally went into work the next day handed him my notice and, and got my visa and thought well I'll come to London for two years and just see what happens and she's never left she's <laughs> never turned back <laughs> 19 years
0: ago it's like wow Chantel that's a really beautiful story it's it it's sort of a story full of total and utter um sort of ambition to actually follow your heart there was no planning no planning which i think we should all take a little something Mm. from um and sort of right place right time sort of i love that what an i didn't know parts of that story (laughs) and so okay so you go to the savoy grill yes and and then i guess from there you're sort of working your way up
1: i mean i loved it it was and so I'd gone from my previous, my, my office job, was, I think was seven and a half hour days, you know, <laughs> uh, they weren't the most religious yeah. days, let's be honest, um, to 18 hour days on my feet in a kitchen. Yeah. And it was just like, whoa, but I loved it. I mean, it was, yeah, exhausting. And my feet were so sore for the first couple of weeks. Um, but I was just like, wow, this is just, there's just so much to learn. And how long did you spend at the Savoy? I think just under, it's about just under two years. I think it was. And from there you moved? And from there I went over to Petrus, which was at the Barclay Hotel at that point in time. And from there? From there I then opened the Gilbert Scott yeah. in St Pancras. Um, from there opened Treadwells in Covent Garden. Um, there, then opened, before Oprisity opened a pop-up in London Fields called All's Well during the pandemic. And then a Prestige last April. Incredible.
0: What a story. I love that. So I, I'm gonna get to your present day sort of career, but I must ask, because I love this one when I ask a chef. Do you cook a lot at home?
1: So interestingly, like I took to at home all the time. And then when I started working as a chef, I didn't because I didn't have any time. Mm. Um and it was only during COVID, so that first lockdown that I actually reconnected. Well, I reconnected with myself. Yeah. That's when I kind of had my epiphany, I guess, and was like, what am I doing? Like this needs to change. Um, that's when I started, yeah, cooking for myself again, and I was like, "Yes, this is <laughs> this really is important." <laughs> yeah, this is so yeah, important. It is important. And I think then what was interesting is when I opened Allswell, it was a tiny kitchen, like the size of the smaller than this mm. actually, and it was just me and one other. And so some nights it would like it would just be me cooking. So all throughout that first no, hold on, the third lockdown, we'd open on a Saturday. And just do takeaways, and it was just me in the kitchen. Wow. So I was just back to cooking, and I was like, I've just had my own little full
0: circle. Yeah, moment, I love that. Really. And so, what what would you say inspires you as a cook, or I guess even inspires you as a chef?
1: There's a lot of that. Like I get inspired by random things, and like just, I mean, produce is one. Like I'll just go and I'll be like, yes, I want this and I want that. I like also at the farmer's market yesterday, which I've got around the corner from me, which is amazing. I'm just like, oh yes. Oh, some of that, some of that, some dills, some cream fresh and potatoes, like just the whole thing, Mm. and then I kind of get excited. Um, And I think just people that are doing cool stuff, as in growers, producers, makers, and I'm like, I want to use their ingredients or what they're making because it's just I love what they do, and they've got that kind of right. Yeah, I just think when they're – you can feel when someone – is genuinely passionate and loving with what they do Absolutely. with food. So let's talk about Treadwells, because that was where you sort of became chef
0: owner. Um, it was in Covent Garden, and this was where you won a green Michelin mm. star. So what is a
1: green Michelin star? So Michelin's definition of it is an establishment that is has, serves great food, but is also focusing a lot on sustainability.
0: I'm glad they've done that, but... Is that quite a new thing or has it been going on for a
1: while? So I think the first twenty twenty one, so that was when we, we won it at Treadwells, that was the first year. So okay. this is maybe the third.
0: Okay, no, I yeah, I think was, I'm, yeah. I'm. I am glad they're doing yeah. it because
1: I feel like there was it was needed. Yes. Right? Yeah.
0: And to be honest with you, when I first met you last year, that was the first time I think I'd ever heard of it. Mm. Because when I was when I'd met you at Taste of London uh, last year, I was like when I was reading about you, I was like green Michelin star. What's this? Love this. So talk to me about Treadwells because this was a much loved restaurant um, and, you know, hugely popular. What was your time like there?
1: So I opened it obviously for someone else and then took it over. So I think for me, it was a huge learning curve again, um, big site, three floors. Yeah, it was um, huge. It was huge. And it was, you know, massive seven-day-week operation. It was just nonstop. Yeah. Um, and there's times that I loved it. There's times that I loathed it. Um, there's times it felt like a shackle. And I think that's when COVID hit. It was kind of just a t- chance for me to actually reassess and say, hold on, what do I, what do I want here? And I got to a point where I felt like I was trying to put a square peg in a round hole mm. with it. And I was like, actually, you know what, I just need to, this is something that's had its time and place with me. And now I need to to move on to something that's actually more aligned with with what I want to do. Um, And just from an area perspective and just, you know, it was great. And I, you know, actually just opening it and, you know, I get a real, I do love the, the buzz of kind of opening something new and just like being able to, you know all the touch points and just decide them and actually create something and bring it to life. Um, but I think I just realized that actually, you know, for me and for my own you know personal well-being and mental health and just what I wanted to do in order to kind of move forward, I was like, actually, this has had its time. I need to to kind of, yeah, pass it on to someone else and then open something that's that's more aligned. And do you feel like one of those factors may have been the fact that it was such a
0: huge restaurant I mean I can't imagine yeah. managing or, or owning whilst cooking a, a place like that it was so it was big it was a big place it was
1: big but I think there was also like I did I used to get such a kind of rush out of you know kind of a 350 cover dinner service and I was like you know when it all goes well it's just like it is a beautiful thing mm-hmm. and it's just a real sense of achievement I think um but yeah I just felt like that's I'd kind of yeah, it had come to its, yeah, come to its as, time. As things do. Mm.
0: And so you are now at a beautiful restaurant. Your beautiful, can we call it your baby? It's like, yeah, Apricity, yeah, which for me is very much at the forefront of this sustainability and sort of innovation, shall we say. How do you make a restaurant sustainable in this day and age?
1: I think it is very much thinking about the 360 approach to it. And I think I have a, I don't think we've come out with the right word yet because I think sustainability yeah. is just, it's it's not, doesn't cut it for me. And I think also if you look at it, you know, break it down to the definition, we don't want to sustain things. We want to make them better. So mm. I guess for me, I kind of tend to, I guess, bat about the word regenerative and regeneration because I think we need to like rejuvenate, regenerate what we're doing. So I think for me, that was very much what I wanted to do from the outset was, kind of, I guess, rather than it just being, I guess, a restaurant and thinking about the food, the drinks and the, the service, it was like, okay, how can I, how can it be a bit more than the sum of its parts? So how can I do things, the things, I guess, that I always felt uncomfortable with in our industry, how could I change those? And what could I change? You know, and there's some bits that you can, there's some bits you can't, and there's, it's always, you know, it's constantly a balancing act, really. Um, but I guess for me, it's just thinking about the bigger picture and saying how can we minimize negative impacts and maximize positive impacts
0: so would you say it's difficult to 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 run it at the way that you're running it and not not maybe not difficult but is it challenging is it like a in a good way is it a positive mm. challenge okay how can we do this differently to kind of keep in line with what we believe in and what our ethos is
1: 100 and it's yeah it's a good challenge i would say and i, I kind of part of me hoped that actually by doing it I'd make it easier for others to just be able to be like okay great that's what we need to do not you know whereas we're like okay do we do this do we do this do we do this we can be like okay this we've looked into it researched. this is what we feel is the best way therefore this is what we recommend so if you want to you know get rid of clean film in your kitchen this is what we do if you want to what, um, what do you do just containers, containers
0: okay, and lids. Just checking, yeah. So that I so that I know that I'm leading a, a. I know you don't like the word or well, whatever, but sustainable kitchen, yeah. you know, household. No. But also, yeah. just
1: you know, it, it's it's, the the thing that I find too quite interesting about it is it's just none of this is super new. Yeah. it's all just going back to what, you know, my grandmother, mm. grandmother and nana did, that was very much about wasting as little as possible, and getting the most out of everything, and just re- like really respecting and valuing resources and whether that's a people resource a food resource or you know equipment anything it's actually just saying how can we ensure that this can yeah we're giving it respect for the value that it's that it's creating
0: something that I really love about the restaurant because I know that you've mentioned sort of the 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 things that you did in terms of like i guess why you won the innovation award in the first place but please sort of tell everyone the the aspects of the restaurant so the chairs Mm -hmm. were from a a, another restaurant that had shut down yes um and talk about the chandelier that's above the staircase
1: so the chandelier is made from plastic bottles so use plastic bottles but it doesn't look like it doesn't look like no it's so beautiful right and i found it um and it's just what kind of one woman band that she makes them she's an artist and she makes these amazing and I emailed her saying look I'd really like one of these for the restaurant and she said oh I'm um I'm about to have a baby so it's it's going to be probably this many months and I was like do you know what that's great I'll get something in the interim so I think I bought something off eBay put it up there and then as soon as that was ready we put it in because I was like this just epitomizes what I want this to be about it's made by a woman that's really passionate about what she does Mm -hmm. she's using upcycle materials and it's you know we're giving her yeah space to be able to showcase what she does as well
0: yeah no I love it and I and I also just love the way that you've designed it I don't know if this has got anything to do with sort of the focus on you know thinking about or consciously thinking about the, the decisions we make in our lives but like the walls are not like
1: sort of painted white or whatever they're sort of is it it's just literally. So we. Had, the, was is it the a, plaster,
0: or is yeah. it? Have you made it?
1: No, we had a plan to because when I when we saw it, it was a white box, so we had a plan to once the plaster wall came off was to put, um, you know, paint paint the yeah. walls, but when we took the plaster off, it was like this is so beautiful, and also I love the fact that it's just like this is it in its raw natural yeah. state, and we haven't done anything to it. It's literally like no, instead of kind of covering something up, it's like no, let's just let this. You know, and you kind of think about all the things that have happened in that space over the last, you know, kind of hundred years. It's just such a cool, um, yeah. I guess we're kind of respecting its its history. I find it
0: quite warm and inviting in a way. Actually,
1: it's. I you think know? it's that colour too. Like I was very, <laughs> I was very intent. I think after Treadwells. I was like, I want a pink restaurant. <laughs> I was like, I need a pink but restaurant. It's but it's dark. not like it's not like sort of
0: like a pink like you're wearing. No. It's like a very. It's just a warm
1: sort of, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a warm really, glow. yeah, it, that's what yeah. it is. It's
0: a warm glow. It mm. is really lovely. So sort of focusing on the food, um, I think something that, uh, is really key to mention is that although, you're, you know, you're all about sort of vegetable forward cooking, you are also serving meat and fish. 100%. Um, and I think that's also really important mm. in a way, but you know, obviously, you know, you're sourcing your meat and fish from, you know, reputable people and whatnot. Talk to us about the menu and sort of what we can
1: look forward to if we do come and and, and dine there. Yeah, it's interesting because people have said to me in the past, it's all vegetarian, isn't it? It's all, it's all plant-based. It's like, no, and actually for me personally, I feel that we need animals in our ecosystem. Yep. So for me, I'm like actually – feel the same. And we get <laughs> as long as they're it's done the right way and it's, you know, and it's delicious, right? We, we've got to remember joy. Food is mm-hmm. about joy. So As you
0: said in your quote. Well, <laughs>
1: quote myself um yeah and I just think it's just for me it's like actually and I wanted to kind of remove the faff I'm a very practical person as well so I'm like I just don't want the faff I just want delicious food on a plate and also I think one thing that we need to do as a society is embrace imperfection in food or embrace its terroir we do it with wine we're like right wine from here is going to be like this it's going to be like this i'm like that's amazing yet we then you know a, a, a carrot grown in yorkshire shouldn't really taste the same as a carrot grown in kent but we expect them to look the same and taste the same actually no we should like really hero that and so i think for me it is you know it's a bit of imperfect food on a plate in some ways maybe aesthetically but actually flavor wise that's where the kind of intensity comes from and so we work with as many kind of Local small producers as we can, and the menu changes frequently. We don't print our menus because they actually, originally I didn't want the kind of output. And but what it's done on the flip side, it's just saved. You know, our most re- valuable resource is people and time. And we've all spent a lot of time fighting with a printer <laughs> in our lives. There's not a good use. I was of our earlier time. printing
0: out my bloody but questions. I mean? <laughs> it is not a good use of our
1: time, right? And it's really quite soul destroying sometimes so it's just so nice not to have printed menus <laughs> so yeah we changed it up a lot we have and we also so in terms of we have a tasting menu we have a five course and a seven course and the kids as well and previously at Trebiles i'd had a we used to have a plant based tasting menu and then a carnivorous meaty fishy you know and when we opened depressity i thought well actually can we mix it up so what we do now is for each course you can choose either a plant based option or a non plant based. So you can mix it up. You can have the mushrooms and then have fish and then have the cauliflower or you can have you know, like the ox tongue or it's just and I think it's a good way to get people rather than being like prescriptive and saying, You need to eat more vegetables, mm. it's like actually try them. And you, then you're not kind of feeling like you're missing out or anything either.
0: And it's also a la carte as well. They're, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. yeah, amazing. You also have a very sexy uh, mac and cheese on the menu as well. Mac menus, and right? cheese. Yeah, there we go. Mm. Naughty. And it's I love it. One. It's a good one.
1: <laughs> yes. Made with wonderful pasta from Cornwall that's made with ancient grains.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. It's delicious. There we go. So, I mean, listen, I don't feel like there's sort of one answer here or sort of one definitive sort of thought process here but do you feel like in our lifetime we will see a change in the way that we all lead our lives or do you feel like it's going to take a hell of a lot longer you know whether it's in our day-to-day whether it's the bare minimum for me is like recycling mm. that for me is mm. like your entry level yes. way
1: of leading a slightly better life yeah 100 percent um I think we're going to be forced to change. Yeah. Um, and I think that as people, as a, as a society, we kind of need to be, and we kind of need a bit of a stick approach, not a carrot approach, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, I I, I just think the phenomenon of what happened with plastic bags in this country was insane. You know, 5p, and everyone stopped using them. Yeah, it's like, I know. guys, this but is just... They've
0: gone up to 10p or something, haven't they, they? now?
1: It's, it's just so it's yeah. such a simple thing... And I just feel like there needs to be a bit more of that, um, you know, and there's things that I'm just upset that haven't happened. From Like my, what? I'm really upset with this recent um, kicking the can down the road about the junk food, buy one, get one free, that was supposed to come into force. Okay. And now he's just pushed it back two years. And I just oh, think it's wow. just like. A so, wait, really... so sort
0: of like in like supermarkets. So, like, yeah. let's say, like, you can buy a pack of Chris, and if you buy yes. one, you get. Right. Okay. So, that,
1: that, that it was going to be banned. Right. So that that wouldn't happen. Just from a health perspective, I think we're looking at, you know, we're humans, we like food. And if there's two for one, yeah, we'll get two, right? Mm. Rather than just, and we'll eat two. Well, I would rather than just having one. Yeah. So, I just think sometimes these things that need to happen. Um, and I think that, you know, our health. As a nation is just deteriorating at a very rapid rate. So, again, like more whole foods, more vegetables, more pulses is 100% the way to go. But no one's steering it that way. Yeah. So
0: well, well, you are, Chantal. You are. You're enough. Yeah, but, can I just, but can I just say something? And I, and I promise you, I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here and you're on my podcast and I have to have been nice to you I didn't I don't have to be nice to you no but like you've done two things since I've met you there's two things that have actually changed my perception on certain types of food one of them was last year when you taught me how to make ricotta cheese Mm -hmm. which if you'd asked me before that day whether that was possible in my own house, in this kitchen, I would have been like, no, I think I need loads of different equipment. Mm. I'm not, I, I it just, it just, I couldn't do it. And you did. And we made it at Taste of London last year and it absolutely blew my mind how simple mm. it was. And then this year, um, you taught me about uh, a vegetable, the marrow fat peas. I know you're like massive cham- yes. massively championing them at the moment. Um, I knew what they were because in on sort of like a surface Mm. level. We know them as like mushy bees, right? Yeah. But I would never in a million years buy them. Mm. I would eat them out. Mm. And honestly, the next day I was sorting out all my food shopping and they were part of my 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 my, part of my list. Delicious, right? And it's just it's just little small ways of just slightly retraining your brain to be like, no, you can make ricotta cheese at home. Mm. It's really easy.
1: Yeah, that two liters of milk that you're gonna throw down the sink. Exactly. Throw down the sink. Don't just make some ricotta
0: And you also said, actually, I'm just going to just keep like (laughs) a whole script here. Um, The other thing that I must ask you, if you remember off the top of your head, the statistics that I think are are, are quite incredible about what the most uh, wasted food is Mm -hmm. um, in this country. Go for it.
1: Top seven. Bread, milk, bagged salad which is a recipe for all three of those on Saturday Kitchen that I did a couple of <laughs> weeks ago, just saying. Um, bananas, bread, sorry, bananas, potatoes, they're the top five um, from memory, yeah.
0: but That's just wild to me because I think of something like bread and there's actually so many incredible things you can do with so, stale bread. So many, right?
1: So many. And like bagged salad leaves, that's the other thing. Everyone's just like, oh. You know, just throw them away. When they, and that's another one that you kind of always get two for one, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like just bang them in a blender, make some pesto. Yeah. Like so easy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: As a leading female voice in the industry, sort of bringing it back to sort of, I guess, like the day-to-day of, of a chef, do you think that sort of the female chef in general um, has a better place in the industry than, than before, perhaps maybe when you were starting out? Have you seen changes?
1: Um, I guess I have because, well... I've seen changes, but Then I don't know if it's changes I've just brought about, if that makes sense. Okay. So we have, um, I think we are about 85% female in our kitchen and have been fluctuated between 75 and 85 since we opened. Um, and that's not a conscious decision. It's just what has come mm-hmm. to us. Um But I think there are more places that are thinking about the teens and putting them at the forefront rather than it being an afterthought. So I'm hoping that it is, you know, and there's very different um, roles and places that, you know, can suit everyone. So I do hope that it is more of a, because it is such an amazing industry to have a career in because you can do kind of everything. Yeah. And it teaches you every skill mm. there is. Mm. So it's something that we just need. We just need to get more people into it in general. Totally. It doesn't really matter if they're female or male. I just think more people in the industry is, is a good thing.
0: Absolutely. So any, you, any um, of you aspiring lawyers at law school who are looking for a Saturday <laughs> job or whatever, go to Chantelle. Yes. She knows what that feels like. Give me a call. <laughs> Absolutely. When you are away from your own restaurant, where are some of your favorite restaurants to go to?
1: So I love Simplicity. I think it's probably just, you know, great produce or like really intense flavors. One of my favorite restaurants is Super One in King's Cross. Yes. From Caledonia yeah, Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that runs it. It's just like, it's food alchemy. Like the flavors are just so intense and delicious. Um, also, because it's where I, around where I live, I love um, quality wines. Yeah. Again, just like really delicious, packed full of flavor food um yeah for me it's just very much about kind of simple delicious is is the kind of mind. My... absolutely mm. are you a starter or dessert person starter yeah me too more savory yeah same mm. always although i just it depends what the pudding is to be honest <laughs> i always call them pudding not desserts. I don't know what what
0: what, what what sort of like your sort of desert island pudding like if... i do love an apple tart
1: done. okay oh. with ice cream
0: when it's like all so, been caramelized so, yes. oh like yes. and I think it's got
1: the savoriness to it I think yeah. I don't like overly sweet pudding so mm-hmm. for me it's got to have if it's got a savoriness and then you've got the kind of hit of the yeah the bit of like tartness ice, yes ice cream needs yeah. to kind of balance it all out yeah. Is, yeah yeah okay i take that mm. what
0: three items are always in your fridge
1: um wine <laughs> 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 gonna say love this. the honesty wine Kerrygold <laughs> gold butter <laughs> yeah without a shadow of a doubt Um, and vegetables. Yeah, of course. Always. Probably always cabbage, actually. Okay. Yeah, always cabbage. It's always cabbage in my fridge.
0: Right. We've come to a very important part of the conversation. This is my unquickfire, quickfire quickfire questions. For some reason, my guests just love to keep talking, and that's fine. I won't stop you. (laughs) Um, but let's see how we do. Okay. Okay. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten?
1: Oh my gosh, the craziest food. I don't think I've eaten crazy food.
0: It could be like quite subjective. So I mean, for some people, you know, crazy food could be snails or snails, caviar, ox
1: tongue.
0: Um, I've never tried. I've never tried tongue.
1: Well, you need to come and have it. It's on the restaurant. I, I don't know if it's, it's really for delicious. me. My no, My husband loves tongue the sandwich. They're really, it's delicious. Trust me, delicious.
0: I'm gonna use tongue as your one yeah, okay. because that would Let's be go. crazy for me. Yeah. Okay. Perfect.
1: Merry um, fat peas. <laughs> Not so crazy. <laughs>
0: Not anymore. <laughs> okay. What has been your most memorable meal?
1: My most memorable meal, I would say, this is really bizarre, but it was probably, gosh, 15 years ago maybe. And it was when I was working crazy, crazy hours. And I met my mum and my sister in – we were going to Capri. Well, they, they were somewhere else and they were meeting me um, – And we just sat on this like really, it was a really nondescript restaurant, just literally kind of by the side of the road, but by the sea. So we're looking out onto the sea. We had salad caprese that was the best, like the most, the sweetest tomatoes, warm, you know, room temperature tomatoes, good salt, olive oil, mozzarella, basil, and a glass of rose. And it was literally just, I was like, this is just, again, just like great simple produce, Time and place is a big part of food as well. It's
0: back to your quote, joy and memories. That's what food is about. Yeah, it is. Do you know what? Also, there's the simplicity of Italian cooking. I know. Which
1: is good produce. Yeah, great tomatoes,
0: great olive oil. Speaking actually of a cuisine that's sort of all about its produce and sort of not having to scour the other side of the world just to kind of bring in those flavours, they have it all there, done. And what I love about Italian food it could just be a tomato on a plate,
1: exactly, and it's still
0: the best thing you've ever yeah. eaten in your life.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent. I love that. Yeah. No. Okay.
0: Totally. Something I recently discovered about you is that you and I have a little bond over a particular something. Something. So my favorite question ever um, to ask is, obviously, as you know, my favorite uh, snack of all time is a packet of Monster Munch, Munch, which is beautifully sitting in prime and place next to me. What is your favourite flavour <laughs> of crisp? I don't even know why I'm asking. And why?
1: <laughs> it is pickled onion munch. Hey. But then it's followed. It's also depending on the moment, though. Okay. Because my other favourite crisp is one that you detest, which is really interesting. Wait, which one was it? I've forgotten. Tyrrell's. Oh. F- Tyrrell's salt and vinegar. now the bloody Tyrrell's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so pickled onion monster munch, depending on what I'm eating in time. Yeah, okay. Because, like, pickled onion monster munch munch... Great with champagne, great with gin and tonic. Yes. But with this beer. Is what we, this is what we were talking about, wasn't it? But with beer. And I love beer. I love IPA, especially hazy IPA crisps. Okay. Tyrrells. Mm. We can agree to disagree. Yeah, we're going
0: to have to. Yeah. I'm also going to throw something out into the mix there. And I'm going to say have you ever tried the Co op own brand salt and vinegar crisps? No. Right. I have a feeling depending if whether you can handle it, because they're strong.
1: If I, can handle I mean, they it. really
0: sort of like, you know, give you ulcers, take, take all your taste buds. Right. I mean, like it, bigger on your monster. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. I'd say even more intense. They are incredible. They right. are They are a thing of legend. They are on my list. And I'm going to bring some over to you one day because I'd like to experience it together.
1: Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think we do need to have a Christmas. No, we do.
0: We've already discussed yeah, we have, that we're going to we do a little yeah. something. That's true. Coming to an, coming to a social media platform near you soon. Yes. <laughs> okay. What food sums up happiness for you?
1: A juicy, ripe apricot picked from the tree in Central Otago. Oh. I'm telling you, no other apricot has ever come close. Really? Mm. And everyone's like, apricots, they're kind of average. But no. until you have these apricots. Do you go back there? The last time I was back was four years ago, but I'm trying
0: to plan. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Okay. Final question. Live to eat or eat to live. I mean,
1: really? Do we even <laughs> need Do to I have ask to this ask question? the
0: damn question? <laughs> like, what would life be without food? Well, quite, quite. But, you know, some people, I find it's a philosophical question. You know, there are some people who have sat at this table and have really shocked me because perhaps of maybe what they do. They could be in the food world. Um, and they have said that they um, they they eat to live, you wow. know. Uh, you I just don't ahead. know what you.
1: No, I think about all but day, but I, I
0: don't know what that feels like. No. sometimes I wish I was a bit like that. But, yes, yeah. You know, I think but, we all have days. Yeah. Where we're like
1: please. <laughs> yes. All
0: I'm right, Hannah, put day. down the monster munch, munch. Exactly.
1: Don't open it. Don't <laughs> open it. Oh, too late.
0: Oh, Chantel, thank you so much for joining me. Honestly, I think you are a total breath of fresh air to this industry. There is a reason why you are winning these awards. And I know it's not about, you know, the winning and and and, and sort of the recognition, but also I, I do think it is actually about the recognition because what you are doing is brilliant. And I hope that more people will follow in your footsteps. Wishing you the best of luck with everything that you put your hands and your mind to. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you. Until next time. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at crazysexyfood and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time. Bye.